too good. Thanks, Chiefs Band. Please feel free uh, to grab a seat. My name's Riley. I'm just uh, one of the people that rock up here on a Sunday, like Josh was saying. But we just want to let you know once again, we're so glad to have you here. We hope you feel welcomed here tonight. If this is your first time with us, or if you've been here with us for a while, we just want to let you know that here at Beyond, it's a place where you can feel free to belong before you have to believe or before you have to behave like a follower of Jesus. But tonight, tonight we've got something exciting. It's a one-off message. It's something a little bit different to what we normally do here at Beyond. We're not tracking with this series. Uh, We often do this series where we unpack one thought or one big idea over a couple of weeks. Tonight is a one-off, and tonight is actually all about you. It's just uh, all about you and all about uh, things that happen throughout your every day. Now, tonight we want this to be a launching pad to actually help you in your everyday, to add value to you so when you go out and step out into your workplace, into your uni, into your school, back home to your family, you are better off because of it. Tonight is all about you. And the word we're actually going to use to launch us off tonight is a word that's going to pop up on the screen really soon. It's actually a compound word, so if you're a fan of compound words, you might be a fan of tonight. The word is this, relationship. Now, you might look at that word and go, ooh, that's a little bit juicy. What are we going to do tonight? Are we going to resurface some of the relationships I had at primary school with my primary school sweetheart, the old kiss and chase game? Or are we going to resurface some of the relationships we had in high school? Well, we had that one friend of the opposite gender who was just our friend until one day we realized that we might like them and not just like them, but might like like them. And then we found, off, found out of their friends that they might like like us. And then he, he said, she said, all of a sudden we're stuck in this romantic comedy high school movie where we don't know how to deal with our feelings anymore. Is that what tonight is about? Is tonight about relationships in the sense of how we can make sure that we are a part of a relationship that lasts for more than two weeks once we step out of school and into uni? Or tonight, are we going to talk about how we go about living with someone for the rest of our life, relationships that involve marriage? Are we going to ask the big questions about marriage? Are we going to talk about how to healthily live with someone for the remainder of our life? Are we going to ask the question of when to buy a dog? Are we going to ask how to survive setting up our first Ikea flat pack together without ripping each other's throats out? Are we going to ask the big questions like when it's the appropriate time to have kids? Where babies come from? Are these the questions that we're going to ask tonight? If any of those questions are on your mind, I will let you know that you can rest easy. I'll let you know that in no way am I qualified in the slightest to give any comment, let alone an advice or opinion on any of the above. Surprisingly, I am not married, unsurprisingly. I don't go on many of the dates. Uh, So you are fine there. Probably has something to do that I apply Lynx Africa to myself like it's mozzie repellent and watch a whole bunch of romantic dramas on my weekends. It's probably got something to do with it. Trust me, fellas, Lynx Africa, it's not a good deodorant. It's practically female repellent. Stay away from it. But I'm going to lay this out for you first, just so we're all on the same page and unpacking this word, relationships. Because tonight we are jumping up into the clouds from a big picture view looking down. We're talking everything you need to know about relationships and more. In fact, what we're going to be chatting about tonight, there's some things you already know about the relationships that you're in, but also about some things that you don't always see, some things you don't always think about when it comes to the relationships that you are a part of and the relationships that you are yet to step into. But if we were to look at the foundation of relationships. When you think about the people closest to you in your life, outside of your immediate family, when you think about the people in your life, 
that are closest to you? Where did those relationships actually start? What was the starting point? And for some of you, it may have been over a common interest, uh, love of sports, love of the arts. For some of you, it came down to the fact that you enjoyed the same subject as that person or happened to be in the same class. For some of you, your closest relationships may have started off at the off chance that you met someone at the same place at the same time, the same school, the same uni, the same sports club. You met them at the same workplace. You met them at the same church, at the same wedding engagement party or party. Uh, You met them through a friend or you met them through a friend of a friend. For some of you, that's where your relationships started. And the funny thing is about relationships is that we are able to box our relationships into categories. We know who we would say are our pals, who are our buddies, who are our mates. We know who who we would say are just our acquaintances. But then we can pick our friends, our best friends, our best friends for life, who are our girl and boyfriends, who are our friends who just so happen to be a girl or a boy, who are our wives and our husbands, hopefully if you're married, you'd know that. I, I don't, but hopefully you do. We can box our relationships in that way. There's so many different labels we can put on things. And at the end of the day, you could break down every reason why someone is so special to you, why your spouse is so special to you, why your family is so special to you. But why these people that pop up in your life seem to be so special to you? Why you spend time with that person when you don't spend time with others? And it's because that someone means something to you. That relationship is meaningful, and we all long and crave meaningful connection. And you can call yourself a lone wolf, you can say that you're someone that travels away from the pack, but our longing to have and to see meaningful connection is the reason that the romance drama film industry booms throughout the year. It's the reason we get all warm and fuzzy when we watch Spider-Man and we see Peter Parker upside down in his suit, kissing Mary Jane in the rain. It's the reason whenever we turn on any dog movie and the dog dies, we break down in tears. Marley and me will do that to you. It's the meaningful connection. It's the reason we watch the Titanic and we get so frustrated when Leo freezes to death because Kate Winslet did the one thing that she said she wasn't going to do. She let go. She's Kate Winslet's go. And at that point, she had 10 by 10 meter plank of wood that she could have helped Leo up onto, but she doesn't. She doesn't and it ruins everything. But it's these movies that draw us in because it plays off our craving for connection, for meaningful connection. Because we know that real relationships are meaningful. We make friends on the basis of common interests. But real relationships are found in the people that we can be real with. It's the reason we catch up frequently with people who we know we can have fun with. People who we know will listen to us people who we know that we can talk to or have a beer and barbecue with. It's the reason that we have that family over to our place. It's the reason we go out of our way to see friends when they come into town. Meaningful connection is the reason we still have friends from school, from uni, and it's the reason we still desire to make new friends. It's the reason we love our family. It's the reason we married who we married. We love the idea and concept of meaningful connection because it's something that we all connect with. It's the feeling of having people close to us, people we can go to, people who give us that sense of belonging, people who give us that sense of mateship where we know we are accepted, where we know others can pour into us, people who are there in the good times and in the messy times because we are wired for meaningful connection. But the human need for meaningful connection is also the very reason that we fall so flat on our face when there is an absence of meaningful connection in our own lives. 
our wiring for relationship is why we find it so easy to become wrapped up in trying to make ourselves known for things that we are not. It's why we find it so easy uh, to try to be known for things that don't align to who we actually intended to be. Sometimes we can be known for things that we never wanted to be known for in the first place. It's why we find it so easy to pretend. We can seek to impress people with our appearance, with our social media account, but what we really want to be known for is what what we really want to know is what others think of us. How will other people describe us? What adjectives would they use? We get caught up trying to compare ourselves to others and determining whether or not we are better than others, whether or not we are good enough to be around others. It's why at times that we are left disappointed again in a short-term relationship that we've put ourselves in because once again someone has leveraged our own trust to benefit themselves. An absence of meaningful connection means that we don't have the people around us to run to, to talk to, to listen to us, to talk things through with when we get stuck in the sinkholes of relationship breakdowns, of home life trouble, of the anxiety, of the depression, of the stress and the fear and the addictions. So here's the question that I want to put forward tonight. Where do we actually find meaningful connection? Where do we find meaningful connection? connection. And to answer this question, I actually want to put forward another question. What would God, uh, what does God actually say about relationships? What does God actually say about relationships? And if you're someone tonight who's actually being dragged in by a friend uh, or someone that can't really place their trust in this whole God thing yet, not because you necessarily can't see him, but more so because you have sat in Christianity as a subject at school and you couldn't help but be frustrated with how it was taught because you have been to church before and that experience for you was anything but meaningful connection because of the way Christians have treated you in the past, how they talked to you, the things they said, how they left you out are all things that have either hurt you or people close to you. I want to let you know if you've experienced any of the above, it's not the Christianity I know, but I'm sorry and I understand why you'd push back in every way. Because our experience of Christianity is often defined by our experience with Christians. And there are some odd Christians out there. So if you are an unchurched person tonight, I want to picture to you what a relationship with God was actually intended to look like. How he actually intended for his followers to go about relationship and answer the question of how would God have me deal with seeking out meaningful connection. Because dealing and trying to manage uh, how we are to be known, it's something that affects everyone. When we compare ourselves to be known for something by someone, the pride, the envy, we do so because we are insecure within ourselves. We do so because we want to be known by someone for something, even if it means we have to pretend. We go out of our way to be known as the best or as better. That's why we place so much of our value and self-worth in things like our wealth like our career, like our degrees, like our appearance. It's why we find it easier to focus on being more richer, seeming more smarter, being fitter, being prettier, being tanner, being better so that we know that we are better than those people who are just okay, better than those who are not okay. And we chase all these things to fuel this person that we want to be known for. Also, we feel good enough for others and for ourselves. And when we compare and when we compete with our colleagues, our friends, when we compare and compete with people who aren't our friends, with other parents, when we compare and compete with the photos of people on our phones, or even when we compare and compete with our siblings, 
We do it all at the cost of our own time, at the cost of our own energy, and at the cost of our own self-worth. We don't break the connection, but we prevent ourselves from meaningful connection with others, and we can compete, but at the end of the day, there is no win in comparison. Comparison ruins relationship. It creates competition. It creates division. It creates separation. Pride leaks from our ability to compare ourselves to Uh, to what makes us better than others. The envy and the jealousy leaks from our desire to compare ourselves to what others have and what we don't. It's the reason we isolate ourselves from our friends in our own jealous state. It's the reason why we try to one-up them, to prove ourselves to them or tear them down with gossip so we feel better about ourselves. And all these things, all these things stop us from having meaningful connection. So I want to bring you into a bit of a story tonight because no one really gives us a better insight of the struggle of comparison than a guy that actually is very well known. He's been known for over the last 2,000 years across the timeline of history, Uh, but he gets the struggle of comparison. He's able to give us insight into how to deal with competition and division. And the name of this guy uh, is Paul. And and Paul uh, has a unique lens on how the early church dealt with disconnection, how they dealt with division. And to give you a bit of background on Paul, Paul was actually once a guy who really didn't like Christians. So if you had, have had a bad experience with Christians before, you probably would have really liked Paul. Uh, in fact, Paul's job was to kill Christians. And it wasn't until a radical change in his own life, and his own heart, that he actually came to be a follower of Jesus. And also one of the most instrumental people in the history of the church and in revealing what the church should be all about today. So we're going to check out a letter by this guy, called Paul, and Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. And Rome at that time in history, uh, in history as the church had launched off, was made up of two distinct communities, two groups. Uh, the first group was actually the Jews. And now the Jews, uh, they were the people of Israel. They were God's community, God's people. They even had bits of their bits cut off to prove that they were God's people. They were circumcised uh, in doing that. But God's uh, community changed up a little bit because the uh, the Old Testament commandment that we know that was carved into the stone uh, changed up after Jesus' death. God's community was found in all. His desire for relationship was for all. And regardless of whether you had bits of you missing or not, the second group of people that came into play and represented this new community of followers of Jesus that was spread out across Rome and beyond were the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles weren't Jews. They weren't from Israel. They represented this community of people that had came about after the, the death of Jesus and had came into stepping into a relationship with Jesus. So we have the Jews and we have the Gentile, but the church community was growing so much that Jewish Christians of Rome were not only a minority in numbers to that of the Gentile Christians, but were also seen as a minority by Gentile Christians. They didn't have time for the Jews' old school, Old Testament law and their belief that you need to be circumcised to be a part of the movement. So obviously the Gentiles were pretty keen on keeping everything in place down there. So Paul is literally rocking up to Rome in the midst of this great heated theological and social division, not between Christians and atheists, not between Christians and Islam, not Christians versus vegans, nothing like that. But Paul walks in on a split, a feud that had at its heart the question of continuity and discontinuity between the Jewish and Gentile faith. So what does he do? Paul keeps it pretty simple. And Paul calls out the issue and its solution by pointing them back to what they were wired for since the beginning. 
where they drew and can continue to draw their meaning from since the beginning. He points them back to relationship. And he does it through comparing the church to that of the body. This is what he writes. Paul says, We are like various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped finger or a cut-off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. See, Paul doesn't say, listen guys, it would be nice if you just got along so things would progress. Paul writes stating that the church as a movement will be less if both communities refuse to draw upon one another's strength. That they will be less if they are not united together. That they, the church, will be less by not getting to know each other more. And this isn't some rally cry from Paul. Paul is stating an obvious human fact that we know. That people belong with people. People relate with people. People grow with people. That people need people. That each part finds its meaning from the body. Just like the body needs the finger or the toe, and just as the finger and toe would have no purpose detached from the body, Paul writes to the early church in Rome stating that on a community level, because of who you are and the gifts that make you so unique, others are better off. That by being in meaningful relationships, this church is stronger in inviting more people into a relationship. And then on an individual level, he says to them, you are better off because you have a purpose in your relationships. You are who you are because of the people that pour into you. That you can always be honest with your opinions by reminding people they're a minority or telling them that they have to get circumcised, but your talents, your abilities, your gifts are stronger when they are called into action by helping one another. That community, that meaningful relationships, meaningful connections with others and with God calls us to a high standard of ourselves that we don't see. It calls us to be someone who we were made to be. Because Paul knows that when he wrote this to followers of Jesus, he was writing to people. And all people fall into this comparison trap. All people wrestle with competing with others because it's a human weakness. And we might impress people with our strengths, our knowledge, our opinions, our resilience. But at the end of the day, we connect with people through our weaknesses. And for some of you, you know what those weaknesses look like. Some of you, if you're like me or if you're a bloke, guys, this is a very blokey thing to do. We see the word weakness and we laugh at it. it. We kind of go, huh, weakness? It's not in my vocab. I don't suffer from weakness. I can set up an Ikea flat pack by myself without instructions. Weakness? I know nothing about it. But know this, that weaknesses, uh, the weaknesses that we are talking about, it's not meant to carry a negative connotation. But our weaknesses point us to an opportunity for growth. We learn the most about ourselves in our times of greatest struggle, in the times when our weaknesses are most prevalent. And when we are honest with the things that we are not so great at, the things that we are not so great at coping with, the anxiety, the stress, the depression, the fear, it is our inability to be honest about our weaknesses that stop us from having meaningful connection with others. When we hold on to these things and try and deal with it ourselves, We are creating a wall between us and those around us. In light of the scars of what's happened in the past, the worries and the concern of what is happening today, and in light of the fears of what could happen in the future, these are all things that 
things that connect us as people. Because there are things that break us. The things we feel and the things that make us vulnerable, things that push us beyond our comfort zone. And we, as Paul was saying to the early church, and you have the choice not to choose the path of the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger who whacks on their cowboy hat, trots along on the horse, listens to a little bit of Keith Urban, purely to zone out the world that's happening around them. To try and zone out the world that's happening within them and the thoughts that are pulling them back. You have an opportunity to step into who you were called to be by stepping into meaningful connection. Because we get better when we have people that we can be 100% honest with. We learn more about ourselves and we are 100% honest about what we are struggling against. We find meaning and real relationship when we are connected with people we can be honest with. Meaningful relationships is found in the people we can be honest in sharing our weaknesses with. So, if, God, if what God desires is for us to have meaningful relationships, why is it? Why is it that where we are right now, church on a Sunday, why is it that this very place can be the place where we can walk through the doors, when we can hear a message, we can sing songs, the very place also that we can bottle up all our frustrations where we can walk through the doors bring in our frustrations bottle them up and not have anyone know the very place we can carry in all our stresses all our anxieties and we can start uh, freaking out we can stress about things that are happening in the week ahead but also be panicking about things that have happened in our past we can find Sunday night a place where we start over processing things again the place we can't uh, stop ourselves from feeling like our insecurity is constantly leaking out We can't stop thinking about how we made things complicated in our relationships. The very place that although we are not necessarily physically alone, at times we feel lonely. We can literally have an argument with the kids. We can finish a heated debate with our spouse in the car. We can send the most shameful text message to a friend. But after we get out of the car, after we put our phone away, we can spray on a little bit of Mark Jacobs. A little bit of David Beckham instant cologne. We can stand up with a little bit of confidence, stand tall and walk through the doors on another Sunday night. And we can tell ourselves that everything is okay. That it's all good. This is going to be an A-OK another Sunday night where we can walk out pretending that everything is okay. And we walk away knowing that it was another week when no one had the opportunity to judge you, where no one could challenge you, where no one could say that you weren't real because you were here. You were present. They can think what they think, but you've protected yourself by keeping your conversations to church small talk. You've protected yourself by sticking to common interests, to common ground, to church being a meeting place, to it being an event. And I can understand why we do it. It's because I do it too. It's because church, church on a Sunday, it's not designed for meaningful connection. Sure, we could dim the lights a little on a Sunday, maybe have a candlelight dinner, whack on a little bit of Brian McFadden like only a woman can and see what happens. It'd probably get really weird, but church as a building, as a meeting place on a Sunday, is not designed for meaningful connection. Because Sunday church happens in rows, and you never get to know someone in a row. You'll get to know a lot about the back of their heads, Maybe you'll get a great side view of their face, or if you're lucky, you may be able to pick whether or not they're wearing Lynx Africa, but you'll never get to know someone in a row. Because rows are not designed for you to get to know people. Rows are not designed for relationship. Rows don't know. 
you'll never get to know about the person next to you. You'll never find a connection and foundation of trust and honesty. You won't experience real relationships in rows. That is why it's so easy for people to feel disconnected at church, to feel lonely, to absorb and soak in the worries, the anxiety, the depression, the scars of our past and the fears of our future. No one wants to admit that they are struggling. No one wants to admit that they feel disconnected. But if Jesus was all about real relationships, then his movement should be too. Because unless you are face-to-face with those around you, unless you are face-to-face with people that know the real you, not the pretend you, we can battle our way through this sinkhole of what's happening in the world around us and the private world within us. But at the end of the day, we need to be face-to-face with people. And if meaningful connection doesn't happen in rows, it's got to be happening somewhere else. This is where I want to pull it back to you. Because I believe it does happen somewhere. In fact, I believe it happens in one of my most favorite shapes. Uh, In fact, it's the only shape I can remember to find the surface area of since Maths B in high school. Uh, But the shape is this, it's circles. And I think the surface area was length times width. No, I don't remember at all. But (laughs) But circles as an environment offers a space for you to get what you need. Circles as an environment are a space for you to get what you need in order for you to grow. Circles are what the church should be all about because it offers, an accept, it offers acceptance with a view to improvement. Circles are an invitation to a new and improved life where you have an opportunity to grow into the person that your Heavenly Father intended you to be. A life where you are able to be transformed. A life where you are able to get the best of evil through sharing in your journey with those who are on a similar journey to you. Because we may impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Meaningful connection. It happens in circles where people know others' burdens so they don't need to carry it by themselves. In circles where people can feel free to be vulnerable because they can trust people, because they have experienced the hurts and concerns too. In circles where people get better, grow deeper, and become stronger because they really know one another. And because of that, they can step into who they were intended to be. We know we can't force authentic relationships, but we can create circles. Circles with real people, real friends, and real change. Because if church isn't just a building, but a community, if church happens outside of a Sunday, hear it beyond. Love to invite you just into a chat about these circle environments that we have called connect groups. They happen throughout the week for people of all ages, working in all different types of careers, studying in all sorts of fields, with all different types of families and all sorts of journeys. These connect groups meet with roughly six to eight people throughout the week. Some meet at home, some meet here at Beyond, some head out for a feed. They spend time to check in on one another's week. They might have a discussion about the message from that Sunday or they might have a chat about some of the big questions surrounding their own personal life, their own personal journey and their faith journey too. And you see, circles are better than study because it's not until you ask questions or get asked questions that you really learn more. And the best thing about our connect groups is that you get to decide. You get to decide which one you'd like to step into. You get to decide how much of a commitment you'd like to make. It all comes back to you. It's all your choice. And I want to give you a little bit of an application as you step out into the rest of your week tonight. So here's the application part of tonight. We do this thing at Beyond called For Monday because we believe what's the point in coming to church on Sunday? It's not going to change you. 
It's not going to impact you for Monday. So the for Monday for this week is this. What would it look like for you to move from a row to a circle? We try to crush down every barrier possible to make you feel comfortable in doing this. I understand it might be a big step, but one way you can go about finding a little bit more about the Connect groups and how they function throughout the week is actually by filling out one of our Connect cards that sits at the back uh, near the doors. Uh, we have a connection team that sit back there too. They've got funky lanyards on that have a little B on them. They'll be able to point you in the direction of the Connect cards. can't even say it. Uh, but also have a chat to you about Connect groups too. But these Connect cards are really simple. Uh, we have a funky little white one right here that says Connect groups on it. If you'd like a little bit more information about Connect groups and what they look like, I'd love to invite you to give this box a tick. And all we ask from you is just your name and just a follow-up contact for you uh, so we can get in touch with you throughout the week. We have another blue card too. Another blue card too that you can touch base with. Um, there's a little box on this that said, I'd like to meet with a Beyond team member. Um, part of that meet is that we'd actually love to shout you a coffee. We'd love to catch up with you. We'd love to walk you through what groups look like, what's happening here at Beyond, and actually find out a little bit more about you too. You're someone that's been here a couple of times at Beyond and you're keen to see what it would look like for you uh, to stick around or how you can be more involved, we'd love for you to tick that box so someone can follow up with you over a coffee. You can feel free to bring a friend uh, and catch up with coffee with that person too. But I will say this, in light of our connect groups, uh, I, have, I have two things to share with you. I want to challenge you on two things, and they both come from a fairly biased point of view. Uh, but the first is this. The first is about the stories that I have seen across connect groups here at my time at Beyond. Because the relationships within connect groups that I have had the joy of being a part of makes me know for certain that we need people. It makes me know for certain that we are designed for relationship. That we need meaningful connection in our life so we have people around us that we can be real with. Because in hearing and seeing some of the many stories of how the lives of people of all ages in our connect groups have become more generous, more confident, more uh, joy-filled, more happy, how people have gained more clarity over their purpose through meaningful relationships. It has shown me that journeying with people in circles calls us to a higher standard of ourselves that we constantly can grow from. And the second, the second is this, outside of the amazing stories that I've been able to see, witness, and be a part of. The second is this, we all have small ears. Now, you may look at that and go, my ears are perfectly fine. Mine aren't. I'll show you my ears. My ears are actually four and a half centimeters. Uh, if you can't see them, I'll get them in the light. Gabby, you might want to get a photo of them later, but they're four and a half centimeters. I'm a 20-year-old male that have the, has the ears uh, of a six-month-year-old infant. Uh, I used to have to get my barber to cut hair just, above, uh, just below my ears so they'd look like reasonably normal. Uh, but if you think it affects me a lot, wait till Riley Jr. comes along. I'll have to explain to him why he can't wear glasses on his face and why they can't keep falling off why he can't get earphones in his ears and why they keep coming out. But we all have small ears. We, you don't, but I do. But we all have insecurities. We all have things that we are fearful of how other people will see us. And we're fearful of the judgment. And we're fearful of the comparison. Fearful of the unknown, of what people will think of us, what people will say about us, how they'll describe us, and how people will see us. I want to challenge you on this. If your insecurities are holding you back, if the culture around you, the one that we fellows fall into so easily, is telling you to protect your image, that you don't need others, I want to let you know, Connect Group isn't a help group. It's not a counseling 
group. It's not an advice group, but more so it's a place where people, uh, where you can share with people in your story, where you can come alongside of others, a place where people have the door open to you, a place to be transparent and a place to be yourself. Because you will never know who you want to be until you face up to who you really are. And that can be confronting. Because we, uh, we can so easily make ourselves the greatest obstacle in stepping into who we were created to be. When we start finding our identity in the very things that we struggle against. But here's the thing. Who you are. Who you are is someone who is too invaluable for others not to have in their life. There was a one in three trillion chance of you being born into this world. Outside of the fact that you were born into Australia and the top 1% of the richest people in the world, in the economy and the biology of the world that we live in, that makes you either extremely lucky or that makes you a living miracle. Your personality, your character, your talents, your gifts are invaluable to those around you, which also means the people around you are invaluable to you. So if you're walking away with any question in your head tonight, I want to challenge you on this. Who are the people that you are thankful for? In your life, who are the someones that life wouldn't be the same without? The ones that they are there in the midst of the crisis, who are there ready for the times to cheer you up. They're there when things are overwhelming, when you got that award or when you really stuffed up. Who are the ones that are by your side at your worst and next to you smiling when you're at your best? Who are the someones that you can be transparent with, vulnerable with, grow with? Who are the people that you simply couldn't do life without? If you're stepping away from tonight with queries around who God is, could it be that he made himself visible to you, not just through the beauty of nature, not just through the craziness of the science of the world that we live in, but, but, but by gifting you with life? Could it be that he's made himself visible through your very own story, through the people he has written into your life through the blessings of real, authentic, genuine relationships, a God who desires a relationship with and for you and makes himself visible through the stories of 7 billion people just today. Because if meaningful connection is found in the people we are honest about, our weaknesses with, if you've been on the search for how to overcome your knownness, I'd love to invite you to seriously consider the words of a guy called Paul. Because in his letter, he points his audience to a clarity of mind, Clarity of mind and how to deal with your knownness so you can be known for who you were intended to be rather than who you pretend to be. This is what Paul writes. Without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is and by what he does for us. Not by what we are, not by what we do for him. But a relationship with your Heavenly Father is the only accurate way for you to understand yourself. That what you do, what you have done and what you will do, will not and does not accurately measure who you are. That the things you have done of your past, the rights and the wrongs, the wrongs that you try and leave firmly in your past so you don't even remember them anymore, the wrongs that you wish you could forget, the wrongs that you can't forget because you remember how much they hurt you or worse, hurt those around you. They are not an accurate way to measure yourself. The anxiety, 
depression, the struggles is not an accurate way to measure yourself. Your fear of being known is not an accurate way of measuring yourself, comparing yourself to others to determine if you are better, if you are good enough, will only leave you feeling shortchanged every time, every day. Rather, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is and by the one who blessed you with your knownness in the first place. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. We find strength in the things we surrender to. What would it look like for you to stop worrying about being known by something and allow yourself to surrender and know the one who has blessed you with your knownness, who has blessed you with people that you are thankful for, who wants nothing more than a relationship with you, Meaningful relationship is found in the people we can be honest in sharing our weaknesses with. If you want to experience that change in your life, the next step. So I'd encourage you to jump into a circle. Check out what connect groups are actually about. Have a chat to our connection team. Fill out one of our connecting cards. Or even this week, grab someone for a coffee. Grab someone for a chat. Jot down the list of people that you were thankful for. And if you have some big questions about this whole relationship with Jesus thing, love to invite you back next week we're launching to a series literally called what's the point what's the point of a relationship with jesus we'd love to invite you back here's another step i'd love to offer to you because if you're someone who doesn't often do this i want to encourage you this week what would it look like for you to pray what would it look like for you to give yourself just the space in a day just for this week to pray to your heavenly father about things that you are experiencing feeling struggling with the things you can celebrate your hopes and your concerns because whilst no one wants to admit that they are struggling, no one wants to admit that they feel disconnected. There is someone in your life who has been waiting patiently for a meaningful connection with you. Before you were even born, there was someone whose heart aches in times when you feel broken. Someone who feels the disconnection in your loneliness. In the depression and the anxiety and the hurt. Someone who was in such pursuit for change in your mind and heart that he came alongside of people. He died at their hands, all for a relationship with you. Because you are invaluable. And your gifts are too unique because people need you. Because you are a gift from heaven. You can find strength in surrendering to a meaningful relationship with your heavenly Father. I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to hand you back over to the band. God, we just thank you for the meaningful relationships we have in our own life. I just pray as we step away from this week that we can just think about the people that you've written into our story, the ones that run to us in times when we need help, the people that we can go to when we need someone to listen to. But God, we just pray that we can use our gifts, our talents, our personalities and our characteristics to bless those around us as well. Lord, we pray we can press into you in the times when we hurt because a meaningful relationship with you, God, something that not only leads us to be the intended person that you created us to be, but leads us into a relationship where we are constantly sustained, constantly fulfilled, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.